College Game Day, the podcast, is hosted by Reese Davis and Pete Thamel. We'll get you ready for March Madness with expert analysis, guests, and insights diving into college basketball, as well as looking ahead to the NFL draft. That's College Game Day, the podcast. Listen, wherever you get your podcasts. Who he's getting into it with on the court also matters. Going into lip battles with Draymond, who has a podcast, who plays, who talks a lot, who does press conferences. The Kyrie stuff about how he can't wait to play him, he can't wait to play Luca, And then them interviewing him after the Warriors game and the back and forth that he's had, I think the battles and matchups that he's had historically are becoming more amplified because Memphis is actually good this year. Welcome to the CJ McCollum show. Across from me, as always, is Izzy Gutierrez. What's up, Izzy? Hope you're doing well. I'm out here in Bristol, Connecticut, so can't be doing that great. <laughs> Sorry to hear that, but happy to see that uh, everything else is going well besides location. Um, I just got done doing a brisk 41-minute walk in 76-degree weather, which was nice. Long mm. sleeves, bad choice, um, but it was nice and peaceful. Family enjoyed the time. So wait a second. Uh, I, I, take me through. So you've got a one-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. 14 months so 41 minutes he's not walking are you are you in a stroll you got a stroller out stroller stroller, stroller game out. strong stroller okay. game is very strong babies love to go on walks they love to be outside the trees the colors the birds the noises the sounds especially if you got a park and there's other kids all the distractions is super stimulating um for babies and for humans too right yeah. like for me because i was i was at adult. my sister's house the other day and we went for a little walk with, with some of the kids and it was one, two, three, four kids, and they were all older than one. And so they're all running different directions at nighttime when there's cars coming. I'm like, that was not a peaceful walk. We need to just chill out, maybe go one at a time. No, no. We put little man in the stroller and face him towards us when he starts to cry. Milk. There you go. Milk doesn't work. Water. Water doesn't work. Snacks. Snacks don't work. Toy. Toy doesn't work. Binky. Binky doesn't work. Turn him around. <laughs> Let him see everything, and then he's usually good at that point. But... Oh, kind of feels like a fun. microcosm of your pelican season, trying to little things here and there. Nothing seems, <laughs> seems to be working. Um, you guys got a couple of games, though, a couple of wins. Uh, give me the, you know, let's take the temperature of the, of the New Orleans Pelicans now, which is probably better to do that now than, say, I don't know, Saturday. Better today than we were four days ago. Honestly, it's been a tough year Um in terms of consistency, in terms of injuries, in terms of guys in and out the rotation, out the lineup, in terms of how we performed, um, it's been it's been frustrating at times. I think for everybody, including our fans, and I think the the key here is that with all the things that we've gone through as a team, from injuries to tough losses to bad starts to, um, I think I've seen the quote "no show" in the Laker game. We won two games in a row. We played the Hornets. Tomorrow, today, as it'll be today when the podcast comes out, we're at 12th of the 35 and 37 record. If we would have beat the Rockets a few days ago, we'd be in seventh right now. But since we didn't, we're basically two games out of six, three and a half games out of fourth, which is crazy to think about, considering the fact that Z has missed 30 plus games, probably 40 plus at this point. BI has missed close to 40 games. Hers missed close to 20 uh, Larry's in and out. A lot of guys banged up. I'm currently playing with an injury that I'll have to address at the end of the season. Larry's playing with an injury that he'll have to address at the end of the season. Um, considering all those circumstances, I would say that 
it could be worse. And I always tell people it's never as bad as it seems, never as good as it seems. But man, would we like to have that Rockets win? Man, would we like to have that Lakers win at the buzzer? Man, would we like to have, you know, a couple other games that we just didn't close out now? And I, I, I talked about it during the beginning of the year. It's like every game really matters. At the end of the year, there's always three to five games you wish you'd have won. Mm-hmm. And you're just hoping that you stole three to five games as well to kind of balance it out. But I think we gave away much more than we stole this season so far. Now that you've got a little space, because I want to go through this last week, because it's always, you know, it's it's sort of fascinating to me to, to see teams with aspirations go through like, you know, rock bottom and see how they sort of deal with that. Um, and so you guys had that loss last Tuesday to the Lakers. You mentioned the quote, no show or whatever. Um, and then you had a team meeting. Now, you've had a little bit of space now between that team meeting, not asking for what happened specifically in there, but you've had these meetings before. Like, what kind of end game was it? What was the point of it? And and did it get to what you wanted out of it? Because I mentioned last week where, you know, somebody said that you're a team that holds yourselves accountable but doesn't hold the, your, your teammates accountable as a group. And so I'm wondering kind of where that went uh, within the conversation. Yeah, I think to answer the two parts, I would say mm-hmm. that we always hold ourselves accountable, always have, and we have a standard in which we're striving for in terms of consistency, which would lead to excellence. And I think at times there was laws for sure in terms of um, our ability to get the most out of our talent and get the most out of our group. We weren't always doing that. And I, I think that's a combination of what you talked about, accountability across the board, in terms of us being better at holding each other accountable. But I think it's also the lack of fluidity that we had in rotations this season, lack of fluidity that we had in our roster this season. It, it, it changed a lot of dynamics in terms of playing time for certain players, certain guys that may not have been in rotation. So you didn't know who to blame. At times, I think it was – I mean, it's all of us. Mm-hmm. We all got to be better. I had to be better in certain areas. I think our whole team needed to be better in certain areas in terms of – not just preparation, but paying attention to the little stuff, game plan execution, not giving up offensive rebounds, which we still are, even though we know it's a point of emphasis. Sometimes it just happens. But I think we've had other conversations, like you said before, but this meeting was different. I think it was a combination of timing, where we're at in the season, what we've gone through as a group. You look at, there's no need to have a meeting when you're first in the West. There's no need to have a meeting when you're second in the West, when you're third, when you're fourth. So we were good, even though we were talking about things and consistently having conversations, even though we addressed a lot of stuff in the preseason. From the preseason to our 10-game losing streak, a lot happened in there in terms of injuries, in terms of how we practice, when we could practice, what you can address when you actually practice, when you don't have bodies. There's like a lot of things that the average fan doesn't truly understand. It's like, oh, why aren't you better at these things? It's like, how can you practice these things when you play a game every other day? You can't. How can you practice these things when you got injuries that continue to not only decimate the roster, but affect how you practice, right? Like if you don't have bodies, you can't do certain right. stuff. And if the guys that are playing are battling injuries, can they really practice? Can they practice effectively? Right? Like um, my thumb is going on eight or nine weeks now. Like we got guys playing through injuries that the, the media doesn't even know about, right? That have to be addressed after the season. So can they even practice? You know what I mean? So it's like there's a lot of stuff, and it's not to make excuses. It's just the reality of mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that we probably could have done better. But considering the circumstances, like to say that we got 35 wins right now with what we've gone through, now should it be like 40 right now? 
yeah, I think so. Regardless of injuries, I think we should be at 40 wins right now and not have to worry about um, whether or not we need Tenra hits on the road. That's mm -hmm. our reality. And that's what we've kind of created for ourselves. And I think it's a good lesson for us in terms of how to get through a whole season, not just how to be a professional, but how to be a professional that plays a lot of minutes, right? Like how, how do you not work out as much on off day as much knowing that you're going to play things and you're accustomed to it's the lift off that we have to get better and that we are getting better at in a league of trial mm -hmm. and error we went through error and now we're in the trial stage of fixing some of the errors that we've gone through and i think now we're playing a better brand of basketball there's more continuity there's there's more fluidity in terms of being able to have hard practices because guys are more healthy now being able to execute better but also the sense of urgency um 10 games left like you get in or you don't get in how much because you mentioned some of the basketball details in that meeting but how much of it is basketball details and and goals and not just you know attitude and and holding each other accountable and all that stuff because i think one of the notes that came out of it was Jonas, like more of an emphasis on getting him the ball uh while you know especially while zia is still out uh is that one of the main things that was discussed were there a lot of things discussed or was that like after the team meeting yeah i think the team meeting was more about us figuring out how we got to this point. Like, how did we get here? What was the true cause or root of why we're here? We're a top 10 defensive team. It's not a problem. Why has our offense suffered? Why are we more stagnant offense? Why is there more one-on-one -on -one for myself or BI at the top of the key? Like, whose fault is it? How do I get better so that as a point guard, we're moving the ball, we're getting JV touches, the, the bench feels involved. So, like, I took responsibility for a lot of it. Even if it wasn't vocalized, you could see it in the action. And that, that was the thing. It was like, you can vocalize whatever you want. Mm. How do you respond with action? It's just like getting an argument. Okay, what do we do now? How do we move forward? And I think we move forward with action. And win or lose, the way the game is played should look better. The execution should be more crisp. And if we do what we're supposed to do, you can live with those types of results. And I think that's what the conversation was more based about. How do we get better collectively and individually? What do you have to do better? And then we talked about it. Talk about accountability. We're always holding each other accountable. But then there's another step in the accountability from an action standpoint on the floor in the game. And I think now we got to that point where we've said it before. I want to be coached. I want to be critiqued by the guy that doesn't play. Like, I want all that stuff. And I think there's a comfortability now where guys are going to do it more often. And there's a comfortability um, in terms of players having new roles that they didn't have in the beginning of the season. Look at our roster now. Jose's out, right? Z's out. Um Jackson's probably in and out of the rotation. Billy's in and out of the rotation. Um, whereas 35 games ago, it looked completely different. 15 games ago, Jackson was Jackson was starting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Billy started some games and JV was hurt. So it's like the dynamic has shifted so much. I think now we're at that point where we're like, look, this, this is the amount of games that are left. We're going to get the best out of everybody, maximize these types of things. we got to execute in these areas better. There has to be a high level of focus. Shoot around, there has to be a high level of focus in practice. I got to be better, right? Like, I've been here before. Like, I just have to be better. That's not just scoring. That's leading. That's orchestrating. That's not going multiple possessions without getting our big fella the ball. That's making sure B.I. is getting it in his hot spots, making sure Trey's shooting 10 threes a game, right? Like, Trey, shoot the ball. Figure out how to generate shots. Like, I'm going to get you the ball. The guys can get you the ball, but you got to find the ball too. Like, you got to figure that out movement-wise. And I think we're all at that point where – we're more comfortable because we've played so many games with so many different lineups. Um, you just kind of figure things out. Passion, drive, and patience. 
The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. So you have that, and it sounds like it wasn't like a meeting where you end up and everybody's like raw emotionally. It sounds like you maybe got to a decent place by the end of it, but you go, and that's right before a two-game trip, which is just Houston and Houston with a one day in between. I'm assuming you stayed in Houston even though you're close, right? You didn't come back home in between, right? No, 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 no. We stayed. Okay. We stayed. So after the team meeting, after you get everything uh, in order, it seems like it's a good time to have it because you're playing against one of the teams with the worst record in the league, and then you go and lose by a bucket in Houston. Now put buzzer. me back in that locker room and explain those feelings. It really hurt, man, Like because that was a game we deserved to win. That was a game where – we took strides in the right direction, regardless of the opponent. We took strides in the right direction on things that we specifically worked on, and then we went and executed. So it, it was it was a letdown because the magnitude of the game, obviously, like that's a game we needed to win. Like mm-hmm. a team under five hundred, team that's not going to make the playoffs. Um, a game that allows us to make some ground in the standings. All the other teams that are ahead of us lose. Like so many things went in our favor, and then we lose the game. And then the way we lost it, right? Like up double digits, they go on a run, up seven with a minute and some change left, up six, some turnovers, some offensive rebounds, a couple of big shots. They get a stop, get a stop, and then he hits a three with crazy three. Jabari four Smith seconds Jr. left, and it's just like a gut punch where you're like, oh, this is the type of year that it's just been. Like Even when things go right, they go wrong. But then it was our reality of what are you going to do? How do you respond to this? Understanding that you did what you were supposed to do to win and you blew it at the end. So do what you did in the beginning again and sustain it for a longer period of time. You have success. And I think we're at that point where you really get to see what people's character is is, is really about. Like make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs. But how do you compete and prepare each day to give yourself the best chance? And if we could do that the right way, then we can all live with whatever results come from that. What was that Saturday like The in between? We just – Everybody's in Houston. Did you not want to look at each other? What was what was that Saturday like in between? Oh, games? we had practice, and it was a contact oh, okay. practice, um, tape mm-hmm. practice, right? So we like, uh oh, we taped. How's this going to go? And it was more like, look, these are all the things you did well. These are the things you have to improve upon and get better at to give yourself a chance to win these types of games. But if you consistently do this for forty eight minutes, 
you will generally get the results that you're looking for. Tighten these things up, offensive rebounds, a couple breakdowns, um, getting away from post-entry passes, making sure that we got a high uh, a flash on the high post when he's getting fronted. Like just the little stuff that's going to allow us to be successful um, down a stretch of games, and then we went and executed. But I think the hard part is there are no easy outs in the NBA, even when it's a team that's not necessarily playing for anything, they're still talented. So the record doesn't matter. That's the same Rockets team that beat Boston. That's the same mm -hmm. Rockets team that beat another team the week before, like three or four game winning streak, right? Regardless of what had happened throughout the year, they still got guys that can get buckets. They still got guys that play hard and rebound. And um, they deserve the worst to possible win. time to play the Rockets all year long. You picked the not you, but anybody picked the worst because they just came off wins against Boston, the Lakers, and then you guys. And so it's like, yeah, they're they're playing hard. They're tired of losing, and they're going to give you a game like that every once in a while. Nothing to lose at all, right? Right. So dangerous. A wounded animal is dangerous. Speaking of wounded, a um, couple questions about Zion. I'll start with the most important. Um, what do you think of the tattoo? <laughs> I like the tattoo. Um, I seen it. He got it done this summertime. I don't know if that's public or not, but hmm. it's a nice tattoo. I think it was well done, well put together, and he's happy about it, which which I think really matters. And I think it just became public information today. I think the the pub the, the tattoo artist put it out there publicly um, that he gotcha. did it. I think there's a little video with it as well. But I think it's a cool tattoo. I'm not a guy that has tats, but mm -hmm. It's Never nice. understood the back tattoo, the upper back tattoo. Like, when are you when are you looking at that, and when are you seeing it properly? Because you're looking through a mirror every time. So unless you're doing it everything backwards, so you can see it properly. I don't know if I get it. It's tough, but I will say, bronze chosen one is a dope. It is. Tattoo. It is. It's yeah. good. For, I guess if you know people are going to take pictures of you, you might as well uh, go ahead and do that. But I've just. Never really gotten that one. Okay, so second most important uh, <laughs> reports are that he's uh, going to be reevaluated in a couple of weeks. And, you know, at least there's some optimism that he might be able to play before the regular season ends and going into the playoffs. Um, what kind like this is always another one of those fascinating things for me, like on teams that have this situation where, you know, one of your star players has been out. You can't wait for him to come back because you know how important he is, but you can't focus on him being out because you got a job to do. Like, how do you treat this? Um, or do you just kind of look to the side and whenever you see him on the practice court, just kind of pump your fist and say, hey, we're getting closer? Yeah, I'm just happy that he's progressing. He's in good spirits. And he said he was going to be cleared for activity, which means on-court activity, which is nice um, to see him get back out of the court. And the joy of being able to return to play or the process of it, becomes more fun when basketball is involved. And I think we're just happy that he's in that space. Uh, obviously, we need him. We want him back out there. But you can't rush these types of injuries, as, as we've seen before. Um, when they're ready, they're ready. And when the injury has fully healed, you'll know it, and you'll feel better, and you'll continue to progress. But for us, it's like you said before, focusing on the things that we can control, which is how we prepare, how we go out and compete, and how we give our, ourselves the best chance of winning – and hope that his body is continuing to heal the way it's supposed to and that when he's ready, he's able to return. And only when he's ready, because we don't want any more setbacks or anything like that. We don't want guys rushing. Um, this, these aren't the type of, types of injuries you can rush. Um, right. I mean, so that, yeah, especially he kind of had that one setback, so you're going to definitely be uh, very cautious with it. Um, I, I wonder, though, because, like, let's just say hypothetically, you guys get a little run going into the playoffs, maybe even to take that sixth spot, right? Um, 
I can't help but think of like a time I remember back in 2000, man, that was a long time ago, uh, that the Miami Heat team and they had Anthony Mason that one year uh, where he made, his, I think, his one all-star team. And then late in the season, they get Alonzo Mourning back. And it was no question that Alonzo Mourning is going to play, but it absolutely ruined the chemistry of things. And they lost in the first round, didn't feel great. Um, I'm wondering what that, like when you sort of, sort of flash forward to the possibility of him coming back, is it an easy transition? Is it a difficult one? Because I compare you guys with the Lakers with probably LeBron coming back late in the regular season, but him obviously having a little bit more experience doing that. I don't think it's an easy transition because the physicality of getting back on the court is always tough. Is there a minute restriction? Is there not? How much can he practice before he comes back and plays? So all those things kind of affect, like you said before, rhythm, balance, and timing of rotations, but also other players. But when you have those types of players – who understand the game, first of all, who know how to execute, who play the right way and are dominant, it makes it very easy for you to kind of coexist. Coaches can kind of critique rotations and figure out strategically how to get the most and the best out of each of us. So I think from that aspect, twofold, yes, it's difficult at times, but depending on the player and the role the player plays, like it won't be that hard for players to play off Brown. It wouldn't be that hard for us to play off Z. Um, considering the fact that we're getting putting an emphasis on post touches, paint touches, playing through efficient bigs, they don't get much more efficient than Z, if you're being honest. So does that so that was was that part of the thinking in terms of getting JV more involved because it'll help you transition uh, to when Zion comes back, or is it just a matter of this is how our team works best, so we just use the the you know yeah, best available? I mean, it was it was team works best. It just so happens that. Z is also a guy who can get post touches and make the game easy for everybody. But I think it's just a matter of let's let's work smarter, not harder. Like we're making the game too difficult at times and we have to get back to to doing what makes sense. And this is a high efficient play. It keeps him involved, keeps him engaged, gets us in the bonus faster, allows him to be more free flowing, more confident because touches aren't limited. He knows I'm getting the ball more comfortable passing out when you know you're getting the ball more comfortable setting screens and you know you're getting the ball more comfortable playing defense at a high level when you feel involved offensively. So all those things kind of factor in and um, probably should have got to it a little earlier, but the team dynamics shifted a lot throughout the year to where there's times where B.I. played, times where he didn't, times where Z played, times where he didn't, times where they both did, times where they both didn't, and it was more trying to find that balance and also the amount of double teams that he was facing when you know, Z and B weren't out there and the amount of double teams we both were facing uh, when Z and B, I went out there. So JV's got to be the happiest dude in that team meeting, huh? He's just sitting back and be like, yes, just give me the ball. That solves all the problems. And the funny part is we never really like, like I didn't vocally say like, we got to give JV the ball more. Mm. But like I left the meeting, like I'm going to give JV the ball more. <laughs> like it was more talking about stuff. And the, the goal at the end of the day is to win right? To make your team better and to win. So like, I have to sit back and think, how do I help make this team better? How do I win? Whatever that means, pick up full court, whatever, take a charge, whatever, take less shots. Don't care. Get into the paint more. Cool. Take more catch and shoot threes. Got it. Like I'll do whatever. Mm -hmm. And analytically, I have to think about the game. I have to view the game. I have to watch it. I have to speak to our coaching staff, speak to players. Like how do I impact this game in different ways so that we can be successful? And then I go it do it. Is there, I mean, without giving too much away, is there something where you said one or two things where you said, I've got to do this more? Whether I mean, you just mentioned catch and shoot. I don't know if that's one of them, but anything yeah. that you got out of that meeting and said, I'm going to focus on these couple of things? 
I think it's pace for sure. And talking to Casey and our staff is pace. Um, being able to get downhill more and pick and rolls, getting to the paint, not just to score, but to create havoc. When you get into the paint, defense collapses, more eyes are on you. And obviously I have shot credibility historically from not just threes, but the mid range. So being able to use that to my advantage more is important. Um, establishing a post presence early in games, is, it just makes it everything easier. Hmm. You get easy buckets. We can stand and watch. We can kind of rest. They got to double at some point because in this league, it's hard to guard dominant bigs one-on-one, um, -on -one, especially when they got jump shot, pump fakes, draw fouls, hook shots, left hand and right hand. You got a guy like B.I. who can score in a variety of ways too. But now he's in the bonus faster, so he's getting free throws. Rhythm is continuing to build. Um, it just makes everything easier. And if you play through the post, you get more catch and shoot threes because it, the defense is in a rotation. So now Trey Murphy's getting more threes. And now we're more – locked in defensively because we got more energy because you're not having to to run around as much on offense you can just throw in the post and slide set a back screen whatever and now we're getting out and running more uh off of off of misses defensively transitioning to offense which makes our game a lot easier but i would say that pace was huge paint touches were huge and then just the overall communication and establishing the importance of the little things stop and practice if it needs to be stopped right nah set the screen like this this is better for me JV, that was a turnover of my post-entry pass. Why was it a turnover? Okay, I threw a bad pass, but you didn't have your hand up. So I need you to show you, I need you to show me where you want the ball at. All right, I'll give you a live pass if you want a live pass. If you don't like bounce passes, don't put your hand down. So it's like the, the <laughs> conversations that like you just assume, right. now you're having them because you have to have them, as opposed to like, yeah, I, th I thought he wanted that, or I thought CJ liked his screens like this. Like, no, nah, I, I want to get downhill this way. I, I, I want to snake on these types of plays. Is that something, I mean, I guess it's just the season goes along and you maybe not you, but I mean, as a group, kind of maybe let things fall through the cracks or maybe don't communicate enough. Is that why you get to, you know, 12, 13 games left and you have to go over this stuff again? Yeah, but it's also, it's not broken. Like, we're a top 10 defense team, but we can right. pull out offensive rebounds. If we gave up a few less, maybe we're top five instead of top 10. We were top five offense and defense when we were healthy. So it's like mm -hmm. the screens are, even though they may have, could have been critiqued a little bit, like we still were scoring. <laughs> like we yeah. still was generating catch and shoot threes. We was leading the league in free throw attempts. Like we were doing what we were supposed to do. Not could we have approved in certain areas for sure, but the margin of error decreased significantly or increased significantly with the injury. So now it's mm -hmm. like, oh, you don't have to set the screen that well. When Z's coming off, who cares? He's still going to finish. Like, oh, you can give up a couple offensive rebounds because we're so good offensively. It doesn't matter. And we'll still talk yeah. about it, but we'll still win. When you start to lose games because of little things and you have a smaller margin of, of error, like hmm. now you really have to be precise with everything everything has to be precise the switch has got to be right everything has to be better and it's not that it was neglected because we worked on it we were winning so when you're winning games no one talks about how we, we play one-on-one -on -one all the time no one talks right. about how we weren't really playing point five because z plays once i play once bi plays once jv plays once every now and then there's a pick and roll involved but when you win it no one cares like, no one cares that James dribbles a lot now because he leads the league in assists mm -hmm. and Joel Embiid leads the league in points. Right. But they were seven about that duo the other seven. day. People would care. Mm -hmm. um, 
You guys, uh, so your next game you mentioned is today, technically, if uh, the day this is released, but you've got the Clippers on Saturday. The Clippers going through their own uh, current injury situation um, with Paul George on that freakish play, going to miss uh, at least a couple of weeks with a sprained knee. Um, I'm just wondering what do you think about this season? Like, it's been pretty nuts in terms of like, you know, you look at you guys, oh, you were first and now you're 12th. And it's like, oh, it's so it's terrible. But you're so close to like sixth. <laughs> Everybody's right. so jumbled together. Everybody's got something to, to 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 convince them that they can make a run either late in the season or in the playoffs. Um, is it the craziest season you've been a part of as far as that's concerned, as far as not really knowing who's what? Yeah, for sure. Because now I have to check the standings because I don't know who's where. Like, I know Minnesota's close. I know we're close to the Lakers. I know we're also close to OKC. All these teams are playing each other. Um, Dallas. I'm forgetting a team. And Memphis. Memphis. Clippers. Suns. It's like a lot of teams are jumbled. Whereas it's normally like you know who the top seven are and somebody's fighting for eight. Right. Right now you fight for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And the right 10 or 9 could be 7 and 8 and probably could get 6 with 10 games left, which is it never happens where each game matters that much with 10 games left. Normally, teams can sit players last two or three games. I've historically played a whole season now and been able to sit the last game or two games of the season. And I don't think a lot of teams will be in a position to do this outside of maybe one or two teams in each conference. Well, this is probably good for the whole um, – for everybody who hates the rest situation uh, from players because – Let's just say this all plays out and the difference between five and ten is a game or two, because right now it's two, which is nuts. Um, you're not going to want to take that game off in November, December, January, knowing that if hey, if I play in these extra five games that I didn't last year, maybe we separate ourselves and let's avoid that whole situation. Do you think that might work in the favor of those who are you know hoping that players play more often? I think it could work, and I think – Structurally, from a schedule standpoint, some things you can't change. And obviously, each year shifts, each team is different. But if you knew you were going to be able to win games, you would play in them. But if the medical staff decides to hold you out or it's four games and six nights or four games and seven nights and you do sit, you're thinking to yourself, you sat for a cause in which you protected your body from an injury, from a, maybe an injury that happens midseason or late season. And you also were more fresh for the next game in which you maybe won. So some teams may consider it a wash. But like like you said before, every game matters. And think about if we had three more wins. All right, we're let's 30, do 38 and 34. Basically. Yep. So if you got three more wins, 38 and 34, and that would put you at five, half a game ahead of the Clippers. Three games. Yeah. Like play devil's advocate. Keep the injuries that we had, beat the Houston Rockets, beat the Lakers. Game winner that uh, I think is Matt Ryan hit against us at the buzzard. <laughs> they just pulled that name out of nowhere. It's a guy that everybody has already forgotten about. And that Matt guy Ryan. took a game from you. Oh, he took a game hurt. from us. Like that's 37 and 35 right now. Yep. Huge difference. Like two games, three games matters. Like it matters a lot. It may matter for Embiid and Joker's MVP standings. Like people might be like, who's got a better record? If it's a coin flip, who's got a better record? 
Yeah. I think it, honestly, I think that's the one thing that's hurting Giannis. I think he missed twice as many games as, as Joel did, because otherwise I think I'd give it to Giannis at this point, but I haven't gotten a ballot, so I'm probably not voting this year again. But uh, I think I would vote for Giannis, maybe. You want to talk um, about so, that for a second? Yeah, go no for one it. Since you, well, you didn't get a ballot. Why not? How does this work? You know what? I don't know. I feel like I should ask the NBA, but uh, I haven't gotten one in a few years. It's been a, a while, I want to say. Um, maybe since like the late teens, 2017 or something like that. I don't know if maybe they're limiting the ballots that they give to like um, – media members with the partners you know that are partners with the league i don't know if that has any uh situation but i just haven't got one in a while maybe i just haven't done enough nba reporting <laughs> i don't know what the the uh the criteria are but i haven't gotten one in a minute um but i think it is it's more stressful now to be a voter than ever because all the votes are public and you're gonna have to hold up your argument and man there's a lot of people just not necessarily propping up one or the other but just really just choosing to knock. Like there's a lot of bunch of people out there knocking, you know, the Joker. And so he's been eaten up on defense. Never mind that he just might be tired because it's late in the season and his team's been, you know, been pretty healthy all year long. Um, I don't, I always am a proponent of waiting until the last week of the season to re if it's anywhere near like an, uh, anything other than a runaway MVP, just wait that long because right. there can be something that that shifts it and i think that's still possible like philly has a really tough schedule down the stretch if they somehow like i don't know whatever however many games it is let's say it's 10 they go nine and one and beat all those tough teams and and joel goes nuts like i think he locks it up in games that normally and most people would say the last five six games of the season don't matter but with everything so jumbled even at the top of the east they're all going to matter so you know and one tenth of the schedule one eighth of the schedule is still a good portion of the schedule so you got to let this all play out i absolutely agree i think this is one of those situations where you can't vote prematurely because there's so many swings in the season where joker was a runaway favorite two podcasts ago maybe three <laughs> podcasts, three weeks ago when i did a podcast and i said joker was a favorite next thing you know they lose four or five games in a row and beagles on an eight game winning streak and people were like well, wait a minute Embiid's a winner. He's defending. Like the the narrative will switch in mm -hmm. an eight day in an eight day period, the narrative switches. Like the Lakers went from, oh the roster is not good enough to, wow they win without Bron. They could be contenders. Austin Reeves deserves this. Like the narrative, <laughs> like the narrative will go based on success and wins, and it's crazy how fickle. We are as fans, and I say we because I'm a Browns fan, and I'm very like week to week emotional mm -hmm. based on wins and losses and how we win and how we lose. And I think fans are the same way. And I think the media, and as I can say the media because like I watch sports and I work for the White Leader as well. Week to week, we change up far too often. Like Boston's losing games now, and we're like, ah, yeah, they're having a culture. It's like, well, what about how good Boston was this entire season? How good Tatum has played this entire season? Now they lose a few games. The Nuggets lose a few games, and everybody's like, what does this mean for the playoffs? It just means that the season is so long, you're going to lose sometimes, and you're going to lose more than one game in a row, and sometimes it's okay. Yeah. I uh, I turned out, I was listening to a podcast, and I heard somebody say, nobody's beating the Bucks this year. So I was like, all right, cool. Let me just, I hadn't watched the Bucks game in about a couple weeks. I was like, let me turn on the Bucks. I think they got... They got beat by the Pacers, like handily. <laughs> and I was like, um, somebody's beating with, them because Indiana. With just no Halliburton, by the way. With no Halliburton. That's right. 
Uh, I was looking at, because uh, you're talking about how close everything is, looking at, I hadn't looked at the point differentials uh, in the Western Conference, and it, it's it's crazy um, how close everything else, like the, the biggest in, the leader in point differentials, the Grizzlies, and, you know, plus 3.9, which in the Eastern Conference, you've got one, two, three, four teams that are better than that in point differential. But the reason I was looking at it is because I was looking at you guys, and you're down there in 12th in the standings, but if you just go by point differential, you are one, two, three, four, you're the sixth seed. And so it's just razor thin margins right there. And you look at, you know, <clears throat> who is so kind of projecting who is going to get a boost down the stretch of these games. It's going to be you and the Lakers, the two teams that are currently on sort of on the outside looking in. Um, so I'm wondering, like, do you think that's going to be... I guess that's probably a bad way to put it, right? Because I'm asking you to project whether you're going to win or lose. But a team like Oklahoma City, a team like Utah, teams that probably didn't have much hope for, you know, really goals for making the playoffs this year. Is this a huge deal for them? Like, do you feel like when you're going to play one of them, like they're fighting for the playoffs? I think, <laughs> I think teams have played us differently this year because of our expectations and how we finished last season. So I would say that, Teams have gone have tried to get out get out of us this year differently than they have in past years. Hmm. Maybe it's because we had a number one seed at one point. Maybe it's because Zion was healthy or whatever. Um, but I feel like teams was coming after us this year, whereas before they weren't necessarily taking us as seriously based on how games would start and things of that nature. I think for a team like OKC and the other teams, it is a big deal that they could potentially make the playoffs because they're so young. It was considered a rebuild, right? Similar to when CP was there, they weren't supposed to win. And now they're winning and they had an all-star, like, and they got Chet coming back. So it's like young players are playing well, things are kind of turning and they play hard. They're well coached. They do all those things. So I would say there is a difference because there weren't expectations. And I think you'll notice a difference in year to year based on how this year finishes for them, but then how they proceed to go into next year. And I think teams will not take them lightly because of how this year has gone for them. Look at them beating the Lakers on uh, LeBron's famous night. Yeah. I mean, okay. See, he's got, I mean, they won against, uh, they beat the Clippers and that's the the game that uh, Paul George got injured and they only won that game by a point. So like they're going to, they, they could eke their way into that. And that's just one of those teams that nobody really knows like Jalen Williams is really good. And like, I don't think anybody wants to play that team in a, especially in like one game, potentially two game uh, and you're out situation. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing your relationships, your skills, your customer base? How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The last thing, here it is, last thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, 
we didn't really get to it with Perk last week, but we talked a little bit about like trash talk, but we didn't talk about specific trash talkers. And I just wanted to get into Dylan Brooks a little bit because I think he is, frankly, I think he's funny. <laughs> I think he's he's been he's been doing this for a minute. Like I remember a few playoffs ago where he was just like you could you could tell he decided I'm going to be the voice for this team. I'm going to be, you know, the tough guy. And like I don't have a problem with most of what he says, to be honest. Like he's just kind of speaking his truth and his opinions. Uh I'm wondering what you think of him because for those who say nobody's going to remember Dylan Brooks's name, well, you know, if he decides to be John Morant and Triple J sidekick for, you know, a good amount of time, they're probably going to have some success. And Dylan Brooks is probably going to be in, a, you know, in a lot of people's uh, conversations. So uh, what do you think about the sort of what he's emerging as? I think the narrative around him is interesting because of the amount of attention the media has been giving him lately. Generally mm -hmm. speaking, Memphis doesn't get a lot of attention. Obviously, you right. got John Morant. You have what happened with John Morant and how well he is playing or was playing as a player and how well that team is doing. So they get a little bit more media attention. But then I think the focus has been on him because he's kind of served as the antagonist, right? Like yeah. he has been aggressive defensively his entire career. Now he's been more vocal. He's been more loud in how he dresses. Um, obviously, the fines and the quotes that he's kind of putting out there who he's getting into it with on the court also matters going into lip battles with Draymond who has a podcast who plays who talks a lot who does press conferences the Kyrie stuff about how he can't wait to play him he can't wait to play Luca and then them interviewing him after the Warriors game and the back and forth that he's had I think the battles and matchups that he's had historically are becoming more amplified because Memphis is actually good this year mm -hmm. there is that narrative but then it's also who he's getting into it with. I think if he's getting into it with average Joes or nobodies, no one cares, but he getting into it with Hall of Famers on right. good teams, and he's going after the best players in the league, and I think that's the storyline that's being followed, but no one really talks about how he competes every night. Like, talks a lot, he does all that stuff, but he competes, man. He defends, and he attempts to guard every night full court. He's locked in. You can talk about his shot selection and all that stuff, um, but he competes. He competes, and you can see it. His teammates respect him. They may not want him to shoot as much as he does and stuff like that, but they respect how he competes every night. I have a theory on, on Dylan Brooks because, like you said, this is not new. He's been a competitor. He's been a trash talker. He's been that guy. Um, but first of all, to, to go on this theory, I have to tell you probably the most shocking news. Like Every time I see this, it's shocking. Steven Adams is only 29 years old. I don't know how. It seems like he's been like 35 for 10 years make me already. Laugh every but, time. Yeah, right. So, and he's the oldest person on that team. And you're talking about, um, you know, John Morant obviously being the leader, but, you know, questionable leadership, uh, at least actions this year. Um, I think this is Dylan Brooks sort of seeing what was happening, seeing the writing on the wall and saying, you know what? Put all this attention on me. I'll go ahead and be the bad guy. Let people talk about me. Let, you know, Draymond go to a podcast about me. And maybe people forget for a second about Ja. Maybe people, you know, don't recognize or, or just won't, you know, drill in on what's going on. And frankly, somebody has to be the guy who takes the dagger. Somebody has to be the leader of that team, which I get I mentioned all 20 year olds. No, nobody in their 30s. And I think it's a leadership run from Dylan Brooks. I think it's his way of saying, hey, if we're going to be the bad guys, the vocal guys, Jaws been sort of leading the way for a little bit. I'll take it from here. Let me be the bad guy so that, you know, we can all just sort of focus, you know, and let all the noise be around me.
that's not a bad thought. I never looked at it that way, but in terms of what you're saying, it makes sense. It makes sense that he would take on a leadership role. He would start mm-hmm. on the defensive end because that's where they got to buy in at the most to win. He would start by backing it up and talking and then going and playing well against these teams, i.e. Mm-hmm. Warriors, i.e. Warriors again, i.e. beating Dallas, beating teams as he gets into it with these verbal jazz with players. And then the interviews afterwards and how he kind of approaches it while giving respect. I like how he gave respect to Kyrie after the game and said, like, he's one of the gods in terms of mid-range, and I aspire to be like that and shoot like that and have that type of game. So he is paying respect to the game, and he's respecting the game by competing. Now he talks a lot and does all that stuff, which is, you know, his his MO. But I think you could be right in terms of not just the leadership aspect, but when he started talking, the narrative did shift on the Memphis Grizzlies, and people weren't talking about the situation over there that had occurred with their star point guard. So whether he intended to do it or not, it it did work. Yeah. I mean, I look at the roster and, you know, the guys that are capable of that type of leadership or that these people might follow, you know, Steven Adams probably doesn't get the burn that you would need to, to be that guy. Uh, I don't think triple J's there yet at 23 years old. Um, And then, you know, maybe, a guy like Tyus Jones, but again, he's, you know, the steady backup point guard, uh, but not really going to be that guy, the vocal leader. So it just, it pretty much had to be, if, you know, if Jaw was going to be away from the team or if Jaw was going to get into some stuff that, you know, he probably didn't want to be in the news or have the spotlight on him, then yeah, let it be me. I'm what, second or third oldest guy on this team. Uh, let, I, I can take it and he can dish it out. And I think it's, uh, and he can dress. I'm going to give it to him. I think it's, it's weird, but it looks good sometimes. <laughs> He's got the, I don't know what he's trying to, if he's like trying to look like Prince sometimes, but he definitely got a Prince look about him. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all about Dylan Brooks. I like, I like the energy he's bringing. It's, it's not like over the top, um, you know, personal stuff and it just brings a whole different conversation and I'm, I'm about it. Yeah. I, I think it's good for the sport, man. When you got people competing, you have different narratives, you have a lot of fun occurring on the court. And as Kyrie said before, as long as it stays between the lines and doesn't get too disrespectful, I think it's great for the game. And when you win, you have even more reason to talk. And I think right now he is definitely up on the Warriors in the regular season, but not with the ring count as Clay subtly yeah, I mean, reminded them. It's it's the only thing he's got, but it's a strong argument. Yeah. <laughs> All right, CJ, you guys got the Hornets, and I don't want to say that's uh, I don't want to say anything about that game. I'm just gonna say go win the game. Just looking forward to playing it, man, and then getting on to the next one. That's that's just (laughs) the approach with 10 games left. Go compete and then move on to the next game. All right, CJ, I'm moving on from Bristol. I gotta go home. All right, brother, you have a good one. Safe travels. You too. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.